Welcome to the Constructionist Podcast, hosted by Caleb. Just as we grow gardens and build buildings, God is building you through the renewing of your mind. The sufficiency of the scriptures is paramount in your journey, and every week, Caleb will challenge you to make them a central part of your life and worldview. Join us now as we explore the world through the ancient lens of God's Word. Hello friends, it's Constructionist podcast time again, and we are always building something, and today we're going to be building upon this concept, this idea called love. Now, I know this is a very, very thrown around phrase that is used all over the place. We talk about love songs, and we talk about our first love, and we talk about how much we love ice cream, and we love hot dogs, or whatever it is. But the word love is a word really that needs to be defined newly, freshly today because there's a lot of misunderstanding about love, much, much misunderstanding. So bearing this in mind, let's consider what it is, what the Bible actually says love should be. So we're going to be looking at the Greek word, the word agape or agape. But then also there's a Hebrew concept of love, which we won't jump into too much other than just to point out uh, the first time the word... Sorry, I dropped the microphone. The first time the word love is used in the scriptures. So if you go all the way back to Genesis 22, you'll read what the Jews call the akedad, the binding of uh, Isaac. The Binding of Isaac, where God tells Abraham to take his son, who he loves, up onto a mountain that he will show him, and there he must present him as a sacrifice. Now, I hope we all know the story that when Abraham gets there, he does not actually have to sacrifice Isaac, but God provided a ram, and then Abraham gives God the name, the Lord will provide, or the Lord who provides. But... I want to point out that that's the first place that the word love is used in the Bible. It's in this moment where God says to Abraham, he must take his only son whom he loves. Now, we all know that he had Ishmael earlier than that, but God does not recognize Ishmael as the one through whom he wants to give the promise. He recognizes Isaac, so he calls him his only son, the only son that God will recognize as receiving the promises of the covenant that God gave to Abraham. But the love there, the love that Abraham had for his son, he had to sacrifice his son on the altar because God asked him to do that. And so I'm going to suggest then that one of the first primary things that the Bible says that love is, is that love is sacrifice. It's something that we... Um, exercise, when we exercise love, it means that something has to go. And so in Abraham's case, it was Isaac. Isaac had to go. But Abraham knew, because of faith, that he had Isaac as a result of promise, and that God had to fulfill promises he had made to Abraham through his son Isaac. And so in that sense, it's not like Abraham... Abraham resigned himself to the fact that his son was going to die. He didn't actually do that. I think what Abraham did was, is he 
he thought through the promises that God had made, and he recognized that in order for those promises to be fulfilled through Isaac, his son, God would have to either A, stop him from sacrificing Isaac, or B, resurrect Isaac from the dead. And so in effect, that's sort of what happened. He stopped him, and I like to think that Abraham was actually plunging the knife down into Isaac just when the angel came and stopped his hand, literally stopped his hand, because God had to know that Isaac was going to be sacrificed, that Abraham was actually going to go through with it. Uh, And that's a very challenging place to be. It's a very difficult place to be when God has called you to something and he's given promises for that thing Uh, for something to happen, and yet the very thing he's asking you to do looks like it's going to stop the promises from taking place. But Abraham knew that those who were in God's hands, not his, God had to fulfill the promises, not Abraham, and so he would do the thing that he was calling him to do, and let God perform the miracle or do intervene somehow. Abraham loved Isaac, but he loved God more highly. He loved Isaac, and he was willing to sacrifice Isaac for the sake of his love toward God. Now, let's go to 1 John chapter 4. This is actually the love chapter of the Bible. The word love is used more in 1 John 4 than it is in 1 Corinthians 13. Maybe you always thought or were told that 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. It's actually not. It's the second love chapter. The first love chapter is actually 1 John, uh, 1 John chapter 4. So let's read it, and we'll kick off in verse 7. Beloved, let us not love, sorry, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God is manifest, was manifested toward us, that that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. So I was just talking about Abraham, who had the promised son, Isaac, that he had to sacrifice, but didn't because God intervened. Here, John says that in this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. So God gave his son to the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that son did die. But because that son was sinless, he was able to overcome death. The wages of sin is death. But Jesus had not sinned, therefore death could not hold him. So even though he died in the physical, he did not die uh, eternally in the spiritual. He wasn't dead. He died, but he wasn't dead, if, you can, if I could put it that way. Um, it may have appeared that he was dead, but he wasn't dead. Now, I'm not saying he swooned. His body was dead, but his work was not dead. We'll put it that way. He resurrected from the dead. Verse 10, in this is love that we, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So John now is saying that the love through which Jesus and the Father operated was being demonstrated in his death and his resurrection, which he did on our behalf, not his own. He didn't die for the fun of it. He didn't die because he had to himself. He died out of sheer obedience to the Father because he loved the Father and he loved us because he was one with the Father. So what John is saying is that we now need to exercise that same kind of love toward others. It may, so I'm not saying death is necessarily going to be involved, but there has to be a death of something. Okay, and I'll get to that here in a minute. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. So it's able to have, we are able to have perfected love within us. Now, that is a message that people need to hear today. There are many, 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 many people out there who are divorced, who have been abandoned by their parents, who uh, have been dumped by somebody, somewhere, somehow. And they need to know, we need to tell them, we, it needs to be stated, and I'm stating it right now for anyone who wants to download this podcast, love can be perfected in us. God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in us. So the abiding that God requires of us that we can do in him actually has some qualifications. Uh, I think there's two here. God abides in us. If we love one another, God abides in us. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So it takes a confessing of Jesus and it takes a loving of one another. And we have known and believed the love of God The love that God has for us, God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. And to be abiding in love is to be loving your brother, your fellow man. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, Jesus had boldness in the day that sin was judged. That's what he came to do the first time. He came to, it was a day of judgment. It was a day that sin was judged. It was judged, uh, he he took the punishment. Sin was judged. It was a day of judgment. (laughs) Just put it that way. And in that, his love for God and for the world was perfected. It was perfect love. Now, it didn't look like perfect love on one hand because he was suffering and he died, but it was and it is perfect love. Uh, verse uh, 18. And okay, and so it says that uh, it's perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is a day coming when there will be a judgment. God will judge sin. He judged it 
in Jesus on the cross to remove the penalty, and it was like a stage one judgment. There is a day coming where there will be a stage two judgment, and that is when God will eradicate sin from the world. And you can read about all the events leading up to that in the book of Revelation, the book of Zechariah, the book of Joel. These are places, uh, uh, Matthew 24 and various gospel passages that relate. Uh, all of these are places where God begins the process of bringing judgment on death and on sin and on Satan. And in that, uh, God's perfect, God's love will be perfected among us. Because we may, in those days, we may live to see those days and we'll walk through some of these days of judgment just as, now I'm not going into lots of details. Don't get me wrong. I can go into a huge amount of detail <laughs> on, on what will happen in the, you know, Revelation, Zechariah, Joel, things like that. I'm just talking about it in broad strokes uh, from what John is here saying that love will be perfected among us when we have boldness in the day of judgment. If we are walking through those days, then the love of God will be bold in us. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. This is a huge challenge. If judgment is coming, if, some, if somebody or some event is acting against you and your faith and your position in Christ as a believer, as a Christian, whatever, we see this already in the persecuted church around the world, Muslim countries, uh, communist countries, North Korea, Colombia, these places, we see where the church is being attacked directly. There is a boldness that can come and, a, uh, and it's... Uh, it's love. It's happening in love because God is love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, says John. If fear is gripping you, then pray that God's love will fill you. That's all I can say about that. And I have to do the same thing. Don't think that I have mastered this somehow. I'm reading the text. We're letting the scriptures speak for themselves. There is no fear in love, this is 1 John 4, 18, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So if you are fearful of the end times, if you are fearful of persecution, if you are fearful of these things, pray for the love of God to be perfect in you. Verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Now, what happens if your brother... So let's define brother. Let's define neighbor. Let's define, uh, let's define these terms. All humans are made in the image of God. All humans are our neighbor, our brother. This is what Jesus says in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Who is my neighbor? Well, the one who was compassionate. The one that you're compassionate toward. So the parable of the Good Samaritan is two enemies and one enemy who was looked down on by the Jews and considered as nothing, worse than a sinner, worse than a dog, 
The Samaritan was very low in the eyes of the Jew, yet that Samaritan showed compassion on the Jew in the story of the Good Samaritan. You can read about it in Luke's Gospel. And I think Matthew's Gospel as well. So, if that's the example, then we have no position to not love anybody when it comes right down to it. So, this is the commandment that we have, that he who loves God must love his brother. Where all humans are made in the image of God. All humans reflect somehow the, the nature of God. Whether they choose to or not, it's built into them. So as believers, we must recognize that all humans are in the image of God and all are worthy of love. God sent Jesus because he loved all humans, the whole world. Now let's look at 1 Corinthians 13. Remember I said something had to die. Something has to die. 1 Corinthians 13 in verse 4. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity. But rejoices in the truth. Remember what John said. He said, perfect love cast out fear. So what God is telling us about love is that there is no fear in love. If you are a lady who is, I just had a coworker telling me this the other day, that he, there's a couple that uh, him and his wife know, they've been to their house for dinner, he's known them for years, and yet he found out that his, the, the, the wife was being abused physically by the husband. If you're in a situation where you are fearful when your husband comes home, that's not love. There's, there's no love there, okay? You, your, your wife and your children should be excited when you come home from work every day. Don't make them cower in the corner. There's no love there. Uh, I, another person I know told me a similar thing. She said, I never knew when my dad was going to come home what mood he was in. Was he going to be angry? I mean, apparently he wasn't abusive, but... Uh, he did cause fear in the family when every time he came home, because they didn't know if he was going to yell or be mad or command people to do whatever or who knows what. So uh, there's no fear in love. There's also uh, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. There's no envy in love. Love does not parade itself. There's no pride in love. Uh, Love does not behave. Oh, love is not puffed up. There's no arrogance in love. Love does not behave rudely. There's no rudeness in love. If you're with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a spouse or a person of some, and they're rude and they're obnoxious towards you and they, and they say rude things about you or whatever, that's not love. There's no love there. Love does not envy. Okay, so there's no envy in love. Love does not parade itself. Oh, I read these things. Love does not seek its own. So if you, if you are seeking your own, if you're getting into a relationship for your own self then you're not loving. That's not being loving. You're being selfish. So just stay, state what the Bible says. This is what God says. Let the Bible speak for itself. If you're in a relationship or you're in it to get something out of it, that's not love. You're there to serve the other person. Now, in serving, you will get what you need, but you're not there to get something out of it. <laughs> okay, so we have to understand it the right way around. Uh, love is not provoked thinks no evil, or in some versions, think, keeps no record of wrong. Love is not provoked. 
if someone is trying to provoke you or, or you're, being, you're allowing yourself to be provoked by someone, you're not acting in love. Love thinks no evil. Love keeps no record of wrong, some versions say. Uh, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. I'm, I, I don't want to demean anybody or, or anything if you are divorced, if, you're, if your marriage has failed. Because love bears all things. Love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You may be in a very difficult marriage, but if your marriage, uh, if you said that you loved each other and that you, it was death till you part, and you're thinking about getting a divorce, then your love is growing cold, and you need to ask God to give you a love for your spouse. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It's going to be hard, but that's what you need to do because God hates divorce. So you can't have it both ways. You can't say that God uh, led you out of your marriage if God hates divorce. It's how, do you, how can you reconcile those things? So it's a challenging thing. Uh, love never fails. That's 1 Corinthians 13, 8. So when I say that something does have to die, uh, you know, Abraham brought Isaac to the altar. Isaac did not die. Something had to die. In Abraham's case, it was a ram. The ram died. But to exercise love, you have to let your pride die. You have to let your envy die. You have to let your selfishness die. You have to have, let your sense of uh, my right to myself die. You have to let fear be cast out. You have to not keep a record of wrong. If you're a wife who's prone to hoard back things to bring back up to her husband when he does something silly or stupid or whatever, you can't do that if you say you love him. Love keeps no record of wrong. So things have to die. Yes, your flesh has to die. Your, your unredeemed self has to die. This is what love ultimately is. It is doing what God did, loving the whole world, Jesus loved his disciples even when they were annoying. Jesus loved the Pharisees even when they were arguing with him. Jesus loved uh, the Herodians even though they tried to ki- or were wanting to kill him. Jesus loved Judas even though he betrayed him. This is a really hard thing to say. And even as I'm saying it, I know it's a hard thing to say. Now, I've been married 20 plus years, 22 plus years. And love can be difficult sometimes. And my wife probably has had to endure... Uh, struggles with me more than I've had to endure struggles with her. But uh, we have children, four children. It's hard sometimes to love. uh, (laughs) I mean, we love the child. We say we love them. It's hard to get on with them sometimes because you're like, oh, they're driving us nuts. You know, but you love them. So family relationships are sometimes the worst. It's hard to keep your mouth shut when it's it's your sister or your spouse or one of your kids. It's easier to lash out sometimes. But go over these verses and take out the name love and put your own name there and see where you get, okay? So we're trying to define what love is in this podcast because I want to build you up. Now, I'm going to encourage you to now pray. Pray that God would instill his love into you even when the person is not lovely. If you're loving something that's lovely, how hard is that? You know, it's easy to love the movie stars when they're always up there making you laugh. It's easy to love 
you know, your, your, the person you're on honeymoon with when you're, you just got married. That, those are the easy times. It's hard to love the person 20-some years later when they drive you nuts or whatever. So I'm not saying my wife drives me nuts. She doesn't. I love my wife. And I rush home every day to my wife. So, uh, but this is for you to be challenged and to grow up in that uh, the person who drives you nuts that you want to moan about and whinge about and nag at, that's the person you need to pray for love. Read 1 Corinthians 13, those verses I read. Read 1 John chapter 4. uh, Find out what love is. God is love. And he was exemplified in the person of Jesus Christ. So when you look at Jesus and see who he loved, he loved the outcasts. He loved the women who were belittled. He loved the Samaritans who were hated by the Jews. He loved the tax collectors who were like the politicians. He loved his people. And I know it's hard and we got to keep our mouth shut, but we need to pray. We need to ask for God to love us. So, Go forward now, read your scriptures, meditate on the person of Jesus Christ. Love those around you. And I'll try to do the same and pray that God will give me the power and the the ability to do the same thing. So God bless you, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you were challenged and encouraged by what you heard today, please feel free to share it with any friends or family you like. You're welcome to email us at calebtheelectrician at gmail.com that's calebtheelectrician at gmail.com and remember to leave a comment at itunes spotify or anywhere that you listen to podcasts